This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, May 24th, and this is Season 5, Episode 37 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Tommy. Hey, what's up? Nate. Hey. Uh, Joe L. Hey, hey. And Joe T. Hey, everybody. So I'm, uh, we have a lot to talk about today, and I'm, I'm kind of excited for this episode, somewhat because it's the last episode of the season. But also just just because it's uh, I, I think this group of people are a good group of people to have this conversation with, and we have highs and lows similar to what Anthony's burying the entire ro- rest of the roster by saying that. I just want to <laughs> every other guest listening here, Kevin, Lucas, Christian, etc. He's saying you're all shit right now. That's what he's doing. <sighs> trying to be nice about that, it. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying I think I'm excited about this particular conversation today. I was excited about the last conversation I was part of. I was off last week. Um, it, I, I enjoyed listening to the conversation that was ha- had when I wasn't there. So maybe you guys don't need me. But uh, but regardless, like uh, th- it was a season of highs and lows. And uh, this last week was a, a, a week of highs and lows. And, uh, and that's how we're going to start the conversation today. So uh, just to give you a kind of a rundown of everything that we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Aston Villa result. Uh, we'll talk about the Leicester City result. We'll uh, wrap up the. Tommy's going to give us at halftime uh, the results of our predictions for the season and and who won that competition. Um, we're going to talk about the Harry Kane drama that's ongoing. Uh, talk about co- ongoing coach rumors. Uh, and we're going to wrap up the season. So this is a lot of topics. I expect it to be a long episode, but we're going to try and keep it moving and entertaining for you. So we're going to start off by talking about that Aston Villa match. And that, that's one of the low points of the week. Uh, but um, So we we took on Aston Villa. We went into this this week with two matches. And if we had won these two matches, it, it, we could have conceivably, depending upon other results, competed for that fourth place. But more likely, like we could have secure, secured Europa and uh, and maybe finished above West Ham. Um, there, there were a lo- was a lot of opportunity, and we were going into this Aston Villa match with a high. Um, there, there was a, a, a lot of drama, which we're going to talk about later regarding Harry Kane. A lot of conversation going on, but we went to this Aston Villa match. Um, it was an unusual lineup. We. We got to see Bergvine get his first start in a long time. Um, Tanganga started the match and uh, and and looked uh, uh, pretty good for the job. But uh, what were you guys thinking going into this match, Nate? Um, so yeah, I was pretty. I was. I thought we were gonna roll them over. To be honest, I, I thought. Yeah, as you said, we were. We played really well against Wolves. I think that was a game we could have scored more in. Uh, but we pretty much dominated it. Um, you, you, uh, we were kind of in control of our de- destiny regarding Europa League in that sixth place. And 
Um, we kind of knew that Leicester and Chelsea were playing each other, so one of them was going to drop points. So things kind of looked interesting. But um, it was an absolute egg laid. And I don't know if it was like the um, the Harry Kane news that got to them, because I did kind of put a little bit of a shroud over the over the whole over the rest of the season. Obviously, when that news came out, that was really what whatever what was on everybody's uh, mind. The Europa League was then became the second very thing, and for good reason, obviously. But um, but it just made the shroud of kind of just depression <laughs> in a way, kind of just kind of sink in a little bit further. And then the day, I mean, in all aspects, that day was awful because. Not only did you have what happened on the field, which was this absolute choke job, including probably one of the more hilarious own goals you'll ever see. Um, but then you had the whole thing with the fans and the stands, which was already kind of at reproach going in with being us charging, I think, the most in the league by a long, long margin. But then they sat them up in the gods, like as high as possible. So you still had all the the branding and the ads on TV, but not the fans close to the pitch, which... That was something only we did. No one else did that. Everyone else had the fans right there. So, so that was that. That was kind of a bad vibe. And then they tried to get away with not doing a lap of honor. So there was this huge kind of kerfuffle with the crowd at the end. And it was screaming Levy out, trying to get closer to the field. Someone got in the box and was yelling at Ryan Mason post-match about starting Harry Winks, which, you know, fair play to him for saying that because I had the same – I had the same uh, – thoughts too but yeah it just turned into an absolute disaster and to have that plus harry kane's uh interview plus harry kane being seen on the field saying what's the fucking point mouth um at the end of the game kind of all summed up for an absolute like garbage performance like just when you think they couldn't give you anything more embarrassing than what we've already seen at different parts of the year we got that as the final home game and the only one with fans so it was kind of a disaster on every single level, and the most expensive and the most expensive ticket, and right? Yeah, the worst so seats. You got to see, like, yeah, like paying a hundred dollars to just get kicked in the nuts. Yeah, no, it was, it was it was certainly a bleak situation, and um, I think Winks in the lineup was the first thing that most of us questioned. I, I was actually excited to see Bergvine in the lineup. I'm like. You know, uh, give the guy a start. I mean, it's not like he he didn't do the job that he was asked when when Jose had him as a um, uh, as as a player and was using him. He t- did the defensive work that Jose wanted him to do. Let's see what he can do when somebody's saying just go at at goal. Um, and and we got to see that with the the uh, Bergvine goal. Um, uh, let's. Let's uh, let's go to Joe uh, Joel next. Yeah, um, so I think this game, a bit like with the Aston Villa game, really, just shows. Uh, sorry, the Leeds game. I meant to say a couple of weeks before, kind of shows the. I mean, I'm not really trying to dig out Mason as such, but the limitations of him being the temporary manager, because I think his strategy has just been which is kind of understandable, I guess, after what Mourinho's done of just been so defensive. I think what Mason's done is gone totally the other way and he's just like, right, just go out there, no real plan and just, you know, attack. Um, and it obviously worked 
against Leicester, as we'll come on to. And it's worked in, you know, he's won four out of the six games, so it's worked more often than not. But it's, you're going to get found out against well-organised teams. Um, and Villa and Leeds are both just better teams in terms of how they they play as a unit. They're not just individuals, they're actual, you know, they know what they're doing. Villa have got a very settled defence. They've got good players, Grealish, Watkins. And I think that... Um, that's what's kind of cost us those games is not really having any tactical approach to them other than just going in swinging. Sometimes we'll win, sometimes we'll lose. That's been the approach. And it was a bit of a, it was just a, a horror show. Like the midfield was non-existent, absolutely non-existent. Um, and it honestly could have been about five to Villa could have won this game by a lot more than the, what the odd goal. They, they certainly were the better team by a long way. Yeah, I mean, we can say that certain, certainly the Regulon own goal changed the complexion of the match, but um, uh, it, once it was equalized that we kind of fell behind. But um, but regardless, it was uh, certainly they, they, they played better and we looked like our heart wasn't in it, whether it was the, the Kane news or or just uh, Mason's primary strategy, just be come out swinging and... And more like a, a drunken bar fight. Like, yeah, you might get the better if you're if you swing hard and a lot and fast, but uh, you also might get knocked on your ass. So, and we got knocked on our ass this time. Um, uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts on it? Well, my roommate came home around five thirty, so I knew about the lineup and everything. But then he comes in, he's like, "Did you see the match?" I'm like. No. And then he's, just, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to tell you right now. Don't watch it. It's garbage. It was said. And he told me what happened. And part of me was a little mad. And then I watched everything. And I was like, yeah, he's right. This is fucking garbage. And it's just, I mean, I've, I've said this many times in the past. And it's just, I, I feel like I've. I'm feeling vindicated with this, which is terrible because I want these players to prove me wrong where I'm like, these players aren't mentally tough where they're like, they can't block out distractions or dig in for that extra gear. And it's just, I'm, and it's the biggest issue is like, we still had a lot to play for. I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I mean, we qualify for conference league like we could have had a Europa League spot. In theory, Champions League was still doable, but very improbable, of course. So we couldn't even capitalize on that. And it's just the comedy of errors. I mean, aside from Bergvine, like comedy of errors with Regulon and the Dyer not helping out with Regulon with the second goal. It's just, I can't help but laugh. And, like, what Nate was outlining before, just everything else piling on with, like, whether it be dissentment with the ownership, the players, um, cane rumors and all that. It's just, I mean, what I mean, what can go wrong did go wrong, unfortunately. Yeah, well, and, Tommy, to your point, like, we came into this match like uh, w- winning. We could have secured our position above Arsenal effectively by winning this match. Like uh, yeah. it didn't have to go to the last match of the season. We could have 
taken care of that, kept ourselves in the Europa League hunt, and th- there was a lot to be played for here, and it didn't look like their heart was in it. Let's go to Nate next. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to mention, like, Tommy kind of pointed out the main crux of the issue, and it's been an issue, I think, for years, and, and part of it is personnel involved, definitely, but it's also just, I think, we need to find a new way of change of playing, and it's kind of, it's how we build up from the back into attack that I've noticed, and a lot of times... It is getting the ball onto that left side, getting it into feet with Sun, who they can dig it out to the midfield, who they can spray it up forward to our players or give it back to Sun running down the line. That's a lot of ways of how we start from the back. So it's like Dyer and who's ever in the midfield playing to the left back, trying to get the Sun. And it's been like, there's been like so many times I've seen it going wrong anytime our players get pressed. That's specific, specifically, you know, Harry Winks and Eric Dyer. And and, it, and it's kind of the main problem with Harry Winks is that if he's if he's pressed, he can't he he won't pass the ball forward, nor will he take the guy on. So he's only leaves him with like a sideways pass, or he's going back to his center backs. So for that second goal, that's exactly what happened. Is he tried to give it back in a very poor position and left Reggie on really no chance to do anything, and then Dyer messes up too on reading the ball, and Watkins is behind him and he scores, and. I've seen a hundred times that any time a team decides to press us, like we get stuck there and we give up chances. And it happens over and over and over again. And I think a huge part of that is guess who's been in our midfield for those three years consistently? And it's Harry Winks. And it's like, it's not a guy like an Ndombele who can turn a player over or find a ball quickly. LaCelso can actually do some decent running too. Um, it's, it's a guy who is very technically limited. And he just is not at this level. I don't know if he's necessarily championship because he does do some good things well. Like he can, when he has time, he can do great things. But the problem is in the Premier League, when you're playing against these solid teams, you don't get that time. So you've got to either be quicker or you got to be able to kind of run. You got to be more, you got to be stronger, but he's not either. And it's just, it's hurt us. And it's why we've needed these new midfielders and why it was incredibly annoying that. We got to see Winks and Nora and Dombele or Lacelso played it all in the game. Tommy? Yeah, Nate, I'm actually gra- glad you brought up the point about Winks because I was talking to British Rick yesterday at the bar. He brought up a very good point because usually what happens is if we sell players, we replace them. So Joe, both Joes will know this. We had Michael Carrick. Once he left, got Luka Modric. Once he left, we got Moussa Dembele. Once he left, yeah, eventually we got LaCelso and Ndombele, but, I mean, there's no true successor to Moussa Dembele right now. There's nobody to control the midfield and have command. So that – and we kind of knew this for a while, and unfortunately because LaCelso got injured and Ndombele, he hasn't really found his footing yet, and I don't even think we found his best position yet either. So that's well, – it's, it's a bit of be- a mystery. To be fair, Tommy, like uh, Musa Dembele didn't step right into that role. He was tried out in a number of different positions. That oh didn't yeah, out first. So uh, I remember Pochettino's first season. That weird time we played him as the ten. Yeah, you guys remember that? Well, that's yeah. what was that at Fulham at the time because yeah, for those he used to be a striker. Know, actually, yeah, he used he to be a striker. Yeah, he yeah. started as a striker, then Fulham. He was number ten, and then with Spurs, he moved back to central midfield. But I guess the other thing is. To replace Modric, we got Paulinho, technically. And then Dembele kind of fell into Pochettino's lap playing that bulldog central midfield role. But, yeah, I mean, regardless, 
Paulinho yeah. didn't work, but yeah. yeah. But I mean, but I mean, my point's still valid. I think that during those six months when uh, Musa Dembele was gone, I'm like, I don't know. I think we should have bought somebody uh, in the summer of 18 to prepare for him to leave because mm-hmm. the writing was on the wall at the time. But I mean, regardless yeah. of that, I mean, it's like, a fair so- point, but yeah, it, it's also. To be fair to Ndombele, like, we're seeing what his best role is, and that's what we did for Ndombele, too. So, like, that, if we're going to be fair, yeah. like, we, we well, gave him time to figure out his role, and, and maybe Ndombele will never figure out his role. Well, uh, the other but, argument can be made, and I, I think I'm more inclined to believe this just because Winx has featured regularly since, what, 2016, is that Pochettino probably thought that he was going to be the successor. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out, and I don't know if he's regressed, but he's definitely plateaued. Well, if you think about it, like, what's been the what was the excuse when Pochettino was there of why we didn't see Ndombele? It was always he wasn't fit enough. We never go sixty minutes. He'd go sixty minutes, or he'd play thirty. We'd never see him go ninety in a game. If he played sixty, we wouldn't see him until the game after the next game, and everyone was like, "What's going on here?" And is he injured? What's going on? And then Mourinho came, and it was that for a while. But then when he did get back in the team, we would see him play 90 minutes. And he played a little bit more. And now here's Mason back as manager. And he learned from Poch. And he wants to play the attacking way and the Poch way. That's what he's basically said when he came in. And he's not starting in Dombla. And it comes and begs the question, is this another person? I mean, at what point are you like, because we've seen all, we've seen it. We've seen it from him that he can do amazing things. Um, we've seen it in little snippets and a 20 minute appearance here or there. Maybe have a really good game and be like, wow, that's great. He'll be in highlight reels all over the place. But now there's just three different managers that, <laughs> that have managed him at the Premier League that have banished him for one reason or another. And at what point do we turn around and say all the hype and all the money, another kind of poor mistake was made? And poor recruitment mistake, because this is just another of our world record signing that is absolutely a flop at this point. I don't I mean, for what we had expectations of him coming in, I think it's it's fine to classify uh, Anomaly as a flop right now. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair, fair. Like, and I know I was defending him just a second ago, but um, I, I think we're certainly at the point where multiple coaches have now looked at him and said, no, nah, I. I can't really use him the way uh, for at it's, least it's, like you could use him, but there's a difference between using him and like counting on him, right? Yeah, like, for you can't not, count not for your record signing. I mean, not, you can't he, count, like you want him to be for that amount of money. You need him to be a guy you can count on to be a top midfielder in the best games, and he's just not that. And maybe he can be that one day, but it's now end of year two, and he's not it yet. So yeah, I think it comes, out. Down, it comes down to. The scouting for me, though, really, because Ndombele is he's just this, he's the same player we saw playing in France. Like, if if you looked at his strengths and his attributes and how he played then, there was nothing that really suggested he's going to be able to physically deal with the Premier League. Like, whoever scouted him surely was able to recognise that he's not very fit. Yes, he's skillful, okay, and he's a, like Nate says, without doubt, he's, he's more than he's a really, really good player. But he is not—he's not built for the Premier League, in my it opinion. It could be a situation because, like, 
I don't know if I 100% agree with that, Joe, because, like, he had games. Like, he played Man City in the Champions League, and he, like, like ran them in that game when they beat them, when Lyon beat them. Or I can't remember if it was Lyon or Marseille. But, um, but either way, like, he could come up for the big games, though. The question is, the difference for Premier League is, not in France, you can't have games really where you're not, you don't have to, like, 100% show up. Premier League, you got to show up every game. Like, they'll get into you more. And I think that's maybe the, perhaps where he's not been able to adjust at all. And that's what hurts him over a long season. Yeah. Uh, let's go one more point to Tommy, and then we're going to MVP, LVP on this uh, Aston Villa match. Yeah, I know this isn't really about the match, but I since Joe brought up, I'm like, that's the other thing. I'm like, with the recruitment and scouting, I'm like, we have struck out more than hitting gold, it feels like. And as Nate and Joe were saying, it's like, yeah, and Domboy, I'm thinking, or and or Lo Celso, if they played in Spain or Italy, yeah, uh, very well. And and that's kind of been a recurring theme with Spurs players, as both Joes will know in the past, like Kevin Prince Boateng, uh, Freddie Canute. Like, they were okay with us. Like, Boateng didn't get really an opportunity, but, like, Canute thrived at Sevilla. Kevin Prince Boateng, he did well in Italy, I mean, in spurts. Uh, Paulinho, like, yeah, he, he went Barcelona. He was doing great, or and then he was in China, but then Barcelona wanted him and the, and played well there. So it's, and I've said this to somebody at the bar yesterday, but I'm like, we should strive to be like Leicester. Because, like, I mean, I know they're kind of the flavor of the week, but, like, they've been doing everything right. Like, they have great ownership. They don't micromanage. They let, like, the people in leadership, whether it be, the board, management, uh, directors, executives, etc. They let them do their jobs, and they're do- they're doing pretty well. And they got knocked out of the Champions League. <laughs> well, I mean, even but that's I mean, I'm not saying that's a minor thing. That's a major thing. But I mean, in terms of how a club should be run, I'm like, and based off of the money that Enoch have, that's what we should be looking at. Yeah. Uh, like Joe T, you look like you want to make a quick point, and then I'm, I'll let you go to MVP first after you make your point. Yeah, just with what Tommy said, you know, Leicester has a club where the fans care about the ownership. Like, it, that I think that makes the whole difference. Uh, you know, you see the the scarves that they had for their chairman who passed away. Um, it's a whole different type of situation that we have. I mean, Casper Schmeichel went running into a burning helicopter after their chairman passed away. Uh, I, I think that's the whole difference between them and us. And, yeah, I agree with you, Tommy. I think we should model ourselves around that. I think we really need to get rid of our leadership. And if Kane does leave, I think that's going to be the whole way that we started. I, I can agree on club leadership for sure, and like how the, how ownership treats people. I think you have a very good point there, Joe. But Joe, I'm 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 going to let you start with uh, MVP first for this match. I'm going to say Stevie. I mean, that that goal was. I, I told you guys before it started. You know, I was in my office and I had it on the TV and I missed a lot of it, but I happened to look up when he scored that goal and. 
I did the W on my face with about four people in my office looking at me like I was smoking crack. So I was uh, really happy for that one for Stevie. Very, uh, very good case. And like I, I'm going to jump in now. Steve, Stevie was my MVP as well. Um, he had a great match. It was great to see him back on the team. Let's go to Nate next. I think, yes, Steve's the only one you can really say. Um, I think no one else really covered themselves in glory. Um, Yeah, um, he was great. And it wasn't just the goal. He had a couple other really good chances, too. And it's it's wonderful to see because I think he had had that really had that that Liverpool game where he had the chance to put it away a couple times and didn't. I think that really fucked with him. And after that, it wasn't too long where he was kind of banished. And he just didn't really look, come come back after that. So it was great to see him get one because um, I think he still can be really capable uh, for this team to the point. Like, he's really young. Like, he could still become just the way he plays, how – how for a small guy, he's got a lot of strength. And he's able to hold up better than you think. And he's got a lot of speed. And he can put a decent ball in, too. I think there is potential in him – even more so than maybe a, a Lamella ever was, or a, that he ever showed inconsistently. So <clears throat> I would have to say him, um, and I hope to see more of him uh, like this next year. Okay, let's go to Joe L next. Yep, I'll go with Stevie as well. To add to what Nate's just said, I, certainly the Liverpool game when he, he missed that one-on-one, he hit the post, and he had another chance as well. Definitely that knocked his confidence and he kind of fell off a cliff. Oh, I think we lost Joe, but uh, um, well, we went for Joe to get back. Let's go to Tommy next. Actually, Joe, Joe's back on. Oh, yeah, uh, we lost you for a second, right, Joe. Oh, sorry, my, my internet must be playing up. Um, yeah, I mean, I was agreeing with Nate, with, with Stevie, and I was just saying that um, as well as the chance he missed against Liverpool, that Nate mentioned also the role he was been asked to play in by Mourinho didn't do any favors because he was basically playing as like a, a wing back. He was not a, given any attacking license whatsoever. And when you ask a young winger to basically be an auxiliary fullback of, and you know, he's not going to get in a position to create goals or score goals. Then people start saying, Oh, he's not scored a goal all season. You know, he's rubbish, etc. So, I think he was kind of thrown under the bus a little bit by that system. And yeah, maybe this like change of manager, change of role, change of emphasis on him being an attacking player again. Certainly there's a lot of potential with him. And he's, yeah, like Nate said, he's got a lot of really good attributes to his game and um, he can be a good good player for us. So it's nice to see him score such a, it was a fantastic goal as well, wasn't it? So fair play oh, to him. Definitely. Uh, Tommy, uh, do you have anybody different? No, I'm agreeing with everybody. Uh, clean sweep with Bergvine. I mean, he did everything that was needed. I think this is kind of what we signed him for. I mean, as Joe said, that goal was great. And hopefully uh, this, I mean, he's on this preliminary preliminary squad for the Netherlands for the Euros. So hopefully he gets picked and hopefully he plays and does well. And let's see, I'm hoping that he builds off the momentum from that going uh, just going in really fast into next season because it's going to be quick. I think he would do well with an attacking coach. Like I do, I do, I think there's a lot of players. Doherty, we'll talk about him next match. 
There's a lot of players that will do well with an attacking coach. I think we need that. But let's go to LVP next. I'll start this one, and I think it's got to be Regulon, and you guys can tell me if anybody disagrees. I mean, you had the own goal, the stupid own goal, and then he certainly created the second goal opportunity. Uh, Yeah, maybe Winks put him in a bad position, but he still certainly didn't help himself out of that position. Um, For me, it's got to be Regulon. Anybody have anybody different? Um, I'll let you raise your hands to determine if you have anybody different. Um, uh, Joe L. Uh, I'd probably agree, but I'm going to say Son was dreadful against Villa. He was like non-existent, like really bad. Um, I I would agree with you, Anthony, and I'll just add a little bit. Regulon, you know, he did the same thing against uh, Leeds, if you remember, when he sliced it at Hugo and Hugo saved it. And then I think it was Dallas just knocked in a rebound. It's his positioning. He's like body positioning, like basic body positioning seems to be completely wrong for a defender. Like he's facing the wrong way. He's like, it's just weird. Um, I don't know if it's a confidence thing because I, I do think he's he's. We've saw it, seen at the start of the season, he's got ability. He's a good player, but I think his head's just been completely like, mangled by what's happened this this collapse this season, and it's just affecting him really badly. But he, 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 at the moment, his basic technique is just out the window completely. So, yeah. I I really think we need a, an attacking style coach. Like, Regulon would be a great wing back. I think Doherty showed that he can do the job of wing back uh, maybe not as our starter but uh, he might be a serviceable backup um but th- these guys were never made to be the defensive job that jose Mourinho wanted them to be and, and i think that's certainly the thing um anybody else have an lvp that's different uh, uh let's move it along to uh, leicester city then so we um we came into the weekend um we had had this pathetic loss to Aston Villa so we had had to beat Leicester to to be able to finish above Arsenal because we knew Arsenal was going to do the business for their match Um, and as pathetic as our season was we were always way above Arsenal and we we were confident like we're going to at least finish above these jamokes but that wasn't the case as the last day. And I think I, ca- I came into this match feeling like we're going to lose this. Like I, I was confident that we were going to lose this Leicester city match and it didn't work out that way. This was actually a, um, a high point for the, um, for the week uh, after that Aston Villa performance, like we were all feeling low, but they kind of picked us back up. It may, might not have been the best performance out there, but they, they did the job and were able to, uh, score four goals and, and and come out ahead of uh, a Leicester that was fighting for fourth place. So, what do you guys think about this Leicester match? Uh, let's start with Nate first. Um, yeah, you know, it was great. It was one of the best matches of the season. Definitely the best match of twenty twenty one. I feel. Um, you 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 had talked about they had everything to play for. We really pretty much had nothing to anymore. Like everyone was kind of down on the the Conference League. And it was like we either get in this extra games again or we finish below Arsenal, who were playing Brighton. And then it kind of starts like awful. You have a shitty penalty like we've done all season long to the top teams. Um, they go up one ahead. Um, but then things started to change. I think a part of what helped was um, 
when uh, Fafana had to come off injured because they moved Ndidi back. And I thought this was a bad idea. I don't know why they didn't like put on Wes Morgan because it actually was Wes Morgan's last game. He's retiring. So I was like, well, this is perfect for Wes Morgan to come in. But I guess they didn't trust him against Harry Kane because they brought it, they, they moved uh, Ndidi back and they brought Mendy in and then they didn't press us anymore. And as much as Villa pressed us, absolutely killed us, they gave Harry Winks and Hoybier and Reguillon, like time to do things on the ball. And we kind of got planted in their second half and got a, got a goal off of a, a really good move. Well, not a good move, but it was a lot of pressure on their box. And Kane had a fantastic finish. And it was interesting because Kane had played, I thought, really poorly up to that point in the game. And even overall, I don't think he played a very good game. He missed a couple of really good chances. He didn't look like he was up for it. He kind of looked like he was preserving himself. And I thought, I thought the same for the Villa game, too. So I was kind of pissed off at him. And we can get the more of that later, I bet. But, like, I was like, oh, oh, he fucking showed up. Oh, nice of you to join us, Harry Kane, when he scored that goal. And people didn't like that when I said that on Twitter. Well, but, you, but I really meant that, it. Like, you th- would think that he would have wanted it, p- even for his own, like, to, to get the golden boot. Like, and granted, he got yeah, the Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it looked like he was kind of mentally checked out. But, like, the goal, I think, got everybody else in it. Or maybe not even that, because like they had a couple of good chances at the uh, at the end of that half, and then obviously they got that bogus penalty. Like that was absolutely ridiculous. Like I think I I think Joe probably has like some very harsh words for that penalty from Vardy, um, because he just basically hooked his arm around Sanchez and threw himself to the ground and drew that. That was bullshit. But then after that, it kind of was all us. Like. They had their one good chance that was waved offside that was cleared off the line. But other than that, we kind of went at them after that. And it was a cl- it was a case where, like, Ryan Mason has had bad substitutions, I think, generally, up to this point. And he had actually great ones. When he took Delhi off, he took Steven off, and he brought on um, Bale and uh, Lucas. That changed the game. It, it felt like I on, wanted him to do that earlier, but I was uh, definitely approved of the subs that he made. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, So from then on, we get that own goal after we had a couple of really good chances leading up to that. And then we have that brilliant move from Gareth Bale and we're up and then we get an extra time garbage goal and we've beaten a really good team on the road and prevented them from getting Champions League when they had everything to play for, which is no small feat, I think, at all. So that was a fantastic game. And it kind of really turned my whole feelings around it gave me something positive to kind of be about at the end of the year which i think we all really really needed so kind of well done all around yeah and and just a, a shout out to shubes we got your your question for for me like finishing above arsenal was way more important than chelsea getting above leicester in the into champions league spot um i, I he asked us a question on that that we don't really have time to cover but like to to, to your point like i i think Going into the match, I was like, I don't really want the Conference League. But once I was watching this match, all I want is, like, we need to fit, we need to win this and finish above Arsenal. That was all I gave a shit about it once I was watching it. Like, and I just want to watch Spurs win, regardless of what the results do, where it places us. Um, I just didn't care anymore at that point. No, Let's you're go- absolutely right. Anytime, anyone that wants us to lose sucks. Unless it's like... If we win, we like give Arsenal the title or something. Like, no, absolutely not. Like, even the Conference League, you know what? Fuck it. It could be fun. Let's go to Finland. 
I mean, Iceland. Like, you never play Iceland. There's, like, three Irish teams in it. Like, let's go fucking wild, you know? Why not? Um, Gibraltar. Let's go to Gibraltar. I'm sure there's a Gibraltar team there. So, you know, let's just just have fun with it. So, like, this is is a much better situation than finishing eighth and below Arsenal on the last day, basically bottling that. We actually made another team. We gave another team the kind of bottling vibe with Leicester because this is the second straight year that basically – choked at the end when trying to go for top four and we and we gave it to them right there so a bit of vengeance for 2016 which was kind of nice uh, i think joel you are next yeah nate there's there's three teams from gibraltar can you believe it there's only got a population of like thirty thousand, but there's three no, teams from Gib- all i remember the, the red um, imp or something i, I thought there was yeah, only lincoln. two teams oh yeah they have a lincoln team down there oh do they oh yeah. i don't know i i know them um, I, I always thought there were just two teams and they just played each other every single week because there's one. There's a the, If you've ever been to Gibraltar, the airport's right by the soccer. The you have to walk the, across the airport to get to, uh, get to Gibraltar. Pitch, yeah. Like you, you park and then walk across the airport runway yeah. to get into Gibraltar. Like it's it's like you're walking across the train track to yeah. get, but you're going across the repl- airplane runway. <laughs> Oh, it's look. I mean, as much as we, it's obviously a, a bit of a joke of a competition, but you know, it's better than not being in Europe at all, like Arsenal. I mean, as much as people are going to take the piss that we're playing in this Conference League, it's better than it's better than nothing. It's a bit of fun. It can be useful because, I mean, if any of you guys remember the old Intertoto Cup that was a thing back in the back in the day, and is it this is like a modern. You know, reincarnation. Alan Pardew's only cat was Tottenham. Right. Well, do you know if Alan Pardew? This uh, trivia. He played in Tottenham's record defeat. If you Google like what Tottenham's record defeat is, it's in the Intertoto Cup in like '95, I think. Yeah, I think it was like eight-one. No, it's eight-nil to Cologne. Because what happened was we qualified for it. Didn't want to play in it because it was such a joke. So we just put out a bunch of like either forty. Two-year-old, you know, retired people, or like fifteen-year-old kids, and, and um, the, um, sorry, sorry to interrupt, Joe, but like I think the other reason why we were in Inter Total Cup is because Spurs, like Alan Sugar at the time, or I don't know if it was Alan Sugar, or, yeah, it was Alan Sugar, or yeah. who the manager was, but they're like, we don't want to play in this, and then because like a bunch of players were on vacation time, they, they want to drop out, but UEFA said like well you're gonna be fine and a bunch of other stuff and they're like oh fuck so like that's why they got and pardue and a bunch of other random players to play in that summer yeah well the english fa sorry to take on a tangent here the english fa got fined for it because we represented england obviously and all the clubs split the fine because they were all equally responsible for it but anyway so it's a bit of a joke but it's better than finishing eighth like arsenal did um I'm all for it. Let's just play the kids in it. You know, let's let Dane Scarlett play against these teams instead of being on loan. Maybe let's let Jack Clark lead the line when we're in this competition. You know, let's use, let's get something out of it. Um, And and that was Gareth Bale that like essentially put us into this competition was, it was great to see Gareth Bale in this Leicester city match come off the bench and just be a savior it was it, it was like old times it, it was a great time at the pub for sure quick fun Top fact of- quick fun fact this is the first time gareth bale finished above arsenal <laughs> oh really is it that's, that's, oh, that's actually fun but uh tommy let's go to you next yeah i wanted to echo joe's point because 
I mean, we're going to talk about this later, but like realistically speaking, Spurs, even if Harry Kane stays, we are in massive rebuilding mode. And like I've told people, I'm like, this is probably a five year project just because of the lack of money that we don't have. And we have to find diamonds in the rough. We have to, you know, play a bunch of youth. So I would say that like in terms of the conference league, let a bunch of these players play like Dane Scarlett and so forth and let them get some first team experience. We could have our first like uh Dane Scarlett Casanova combo, which is the two best surnames we have in our youth academy. Fair enough. See, right. there you go. And then like or like that other guy that we got from I think Wigan, like he's supposed to be highly talented. Divine. Alfie yeah. Divine. Yeah. Exactly. So like let let them Kind of get some seasoning with this. And, I mean, even with the rebuilding, I mean, this is another way to do it. Let's figure out who can, you know, who's uh, separate the men from the boys, so to speak, and be like, hey, Dane Scarlett can make it. Alfie Devine, you know, they can make it. Let's maybe give them some sub appearances in the Premier League or whatever because of this. And then maybe in a few years, they're going to actually start a few games here and there and then progress from there and so forth. So, I mean, yeah, as you guys said, yeah, hey, we made it into the CL, just not the one that we want. Or or as a joke, people say, hey, look at my vet. Actually, it's a Chevette, not a Corvette. But, I mean, we should, anytime we get Europe, I'm fine with that. I just, I'm not saying we should put out the best players, but I think we should take this relatively seriously. I, I just want a trophy. I know the new manager, whoever that may be, probably won't. And we're going to get laughed at when we lose to some team in Estonia. But I'm like, this could be a really good exercise in terms of the youth. And let's do it. No, Tommy, to your point, like, uh, I mean, this is an opportunity, especially depending upon what coach we bring in. And we'll talk about that in the second half. But like, if we bring in a coach that's more of about a development, like uh, bringing up the youth players and giving them opportunities and these types of, uh, like, we're stuck in this competition, but we can use that as an opportunity to have some of our younger players grow and and have some seasoning. Um, it, it, it's creating an opportunity out of a, a, a loss or failure. And I think that's brilliant. Like we we need the right type of coach that looks at it as a franchise wide uh, um, plan that that can say like, hey, yes, we have these young guys that can play in this competition, and we're going to give them some opportunities. We'll have some guys on the bench to bail them out if there's a if we get into trouble. But we'd rather get knocked out of this competition using our young guys and, and seasoning them than and uh, developing our whole franchise. Than, um, uh, than not, because it's not the Champions League. You don't have to worry about the embarrassment of it. Uh, uh, let's go to Joe T next. Uh, and we, we can talk about whatever. Uh, like we can put this Leicester City match to the side if you want to. We'll no, just have to I, no, I mean, no, we'll stick with Leicester. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the match. Um, it's going to be an unpopular opinion. I did not enjoy the atmosphere at the bar. Um, it's uh, been a Spurs fan for so long and 
it's really defeating, especially the last game of the season when, yeah, we're losing and it's a little rough. But you got these people that are just constantly during the match, oh, he's crap, sell him, done with him, don't ever want to see you in our shirt again. The whole match, it was just, it was, there's so much negativity, especially in the first 45 that I almost wanted to leave. And it was, I love the club. You guys have known me for a long time. Uh, you know, I, this is my passion. This is, you know, the third generation. And I have two little boys that are fourth generation. And it's just the negativity around this club. Yeah, we've got shit owners. We've had a bad run this season. But uh, we need to stick with our club. And we, we need to be the good supporters that are with them in the bad and the good. Not just all of a sudden when we're winning, oh, yeah, this is the best club in the world again. Okay, yeah, uh, come on, you Spurs. Yeah, I'm taught until I die. Uh, I'm going to leave a tattoo. Uh, but, you know, if we go down a goal, uh, who are these cunts? Get rid of them. Uh, but, sorry, that's my rant. No, fair, fair points. And, like, and we certainly have gotten to that level of negativity right now with Spurs. And it's not just in the pub. It's the Twitter. It's everything. But let's go to Nate next on this. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Joe. Um, if that's how it was there. I, I wasn't there, so I couldn't say. But um, there's a difference between being with people. And maybe it's because we've been away from people for so long. Being with people at a bar and being online. And there's just, I think, it's just a general more kind of like, galvanization you need and kind of just a little bit more positivity and just in general when you're singing and you're with your friends and everything like that there just should be right so it's kind of disappointing to hear that 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 that, it, that we've kind of just turned into this kind of uh kind of a uh, cynical and kind of self-deprecating place i don't like that i don't like to hear that because it kind of it's like we're on a bit of a downturn and for a lot of people well, because we're an American club, we're in the United States. For a lot of people, it's their first taste of downturn. I've been following the club since 2009. So for me, it was Champions League, a couple years Europa, but it was like fifth place. Then Champions League again, Champions League final, and now this. So for people that are around that, that have only been following the club for that time, this is the first time you're seeing like multiple year regression in a kind of big way. And I just urge people that we see what that's done to our rivals and we've made fun of them for that for the last few years about how fucking overly hysterical they've been to have thousands and thousands of people like screaming about changing ownership and things like that. And this is before Super League because after Super League, I think it's a different story. But before Super League, when you're still we're kind of consistently trophy winning top six side, right? So it's like, and again, we are in seventh. We finished the season in seventh. It's not the end of the fucking world. There were bad parts in there. I, I, don't, I don't say this. That, like, I, I believe that Enix has been poor and Levy's done a bad job. But I really, for me, it's more Super League than anything else. Um, but, like, still, it's, it's not worth kind of going down this road. Because it just makes things suck. It makes, like, the good part of this suck. And you don't want that to happen. Because that's what we all... Kind of, or at least that's why I started doing this in the first place, because it was fun. I'm glad you guys yeah. brought to this conversation, and we, uh, uh, Joe, let, uh, you can respond fast, and then we go to Tommy. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, like I said, all you guys know me. There wasn't a match, a big match, that I left with a voice. And I didn't want to sing. I didn't want to just... The people didn't deserve to hear the songs because they couldn't give a shit about the players. And that really pissed me off because uh, you guys know, when it was back in the day, me and James, uh, we, didn't, we didn't stop singing. I think some of you guys got annoyed with us. Um, but I just, Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I fully admit it. Yeah, no, uh, but it, it, I don't it wasn't worthy of it. Tells people how to support either, but just don't suck the atmosphere out of the place, please. That's that is exactly what yeah, happened. Yeah, and we I, have my to got taken out. There are going to be ups and downs, and and we, as true fans, you have to be able to come out for both the ups and the downs. That's part of like what it makes the ups so much better when you're there for the downs. Uh, but, Tommy, we, we, we filibustered you, so we're going to definitely go to you next. Thanks. Uh, so I know Joe was trying to point the finger at me explicitly, but I will admit that I am a – I was I am negative towards the club right now. It's just because the way the players have been playing and just the way – like, because Nate was saying, like, yeah, we're seventh. I know it's not the end of the world. And I've been through worse, like my first season. Spurs were 13th place under Glenn Hoddle. So, I mean, I stuck through that. I know things can get better and will get better eventually. It's, but the way Nate was saying it, like, wrong in my head is, this is, it's been a roller coaster. It, it, like, we were, eventually got first, but it's the way and the manner of how we got into seventh place and I sound like a Debbie Downer now but I mean I'm taught until I die of course I've been a fan for almost I'll be 20 years next summer I made my bed so I'm not going to support Man City or whomever you know it's so I don't know it's just unfortunately it's been a perfect storm with how everything goes, like whether it be turnover with the managers, lack of depth, uh, Super League, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. It's like if it was just Super League and we were in Champions League, there would be less t- discontent. Um, and Joe, well, actually, actually, everybody here has known me for at least, what, five years. So, I mean, you guys kind of know I'm that kind of guy that wears my heart on my sleeve. And it's not that I'm unapologetic about it, but I'm like, it's what I am. I'm not saying take it or leave it, but Joe, do I disagree with you? Of course not. I know like how you're saying, like, do the people really deserve the songs? I'm like, I agree with you. And the negativity, I get it. Or how Nate was saying, like, people haven't experienced this downturn where we had a hotshot manager and we failed miserably. Or I feel like we, it's a, big dip. I know it's small in terms of Spurs standards, but it's just it's for me, for example, like yeah, we lost to Everton the first match of the season, but it's it's not how or what we did, it's how we got there and it's if we were seventh consistently throughout the year, barely above mid table, I'll be like, okay, fine. But it's with Spurs, it's like the expectations from. I always, in terms of sports, I always have a general high expectations. Like, 
this team could have done so much better. And that's where I'm Boise might discontentment because, like, whether it be, you know, any player, like, if everybody was flying high and mentally they were there, I'm like, we could have easily gotten third or fourth. And unfortunately, we didn't. And that's where I'm pissed off the most. It's, I mean, of well, course, like, I got to bet somewhere. <laughs> so, like, that's no, I, I understand. I, I'm going to interrupt the, and we're, we're going to go to Joe. Joel next, but um, in the in, I just in want to say, Tommy, that. that wasn't directed to you. I'm sorry, that was not <laughs> my comment. Was not directed to. Oh you. no, I I didn't think so either. I'm just. Saying. We, we've all had you that know what I'm saying? this season. It's come up for a lot of us, but let's go to Joel next. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad this is this has come up actually because looking at it from a slightly different angle than the fans, um, you know how the fans are taking it this season i i also think what feeds into that is like what we're hearing from the media and also even the players right so for example oh i think we may have lost joe again for a second there um but um see if he comes back yeah, we'll oh, see. there he is. There he, he is. We lost yeah. you for a second again. You were talking last words we heard you say was media. Yeah, I think the media um, and even the players are like feeding into this a bit because, they, you know, like Nate said, we finished seventh. It's not an absolute disgrace. Like Chelsea have finished seventh in recent season. Man United have finished seventh. When Chelsea finished seventh, the media wasn't saying Hazard has to leave Chelsea like they're saying that Kane has to leave Tottenham. It's... I think there's a disproportionate like reaction when we are doing badly as opposed to for other teams. Um, and what feeds into it as well is, and I know we'll come on to this, so forgive me for maybe jumping the gun a little bit here, but in Kane's interview with Gary Neville, Harry Kane's saying, oh, I'm watching these games on the TV, the Champions League games, and I'm missing out and all this. There's been, Tottenham played in 50, about I think it's 45, actually, Champions League games in the last five or six seasons when Kane's been there. It's not, you've not been missing out. You've been playing in these games. This is a total overreaction to, what, one season when we're out the top six. First, out, first season outside the top six since 2013. So let's not get too overly ridiculous about this scenario it, yes it, you could have gotten us there like there's st- stuff and i'm not gonna judge anybody's per- performances but like when you're a player that was there yeah. playing in these competitions and you're bitching about the fact that you're not in those yeah. competitions anymore it, it falls on deaf ears with the fans i think is what you're is a fair point tommy has a quick uh, uh reply uh joe or my reply is regarding the media i'm like I think we've all become accustomed to us being the low-hanging fruit because, like, I mean, unfortunately, we're the team that isn't in danger of relegation. We aren't in, or if any, if we exceed expectations, they're like, okay, fine. But, like, as Nate would say, or at the time, I remember his, his name on Twitter was Purgatory FC. I'm like, so it's like we're not achieving highs or lows. We're kind of in that middle, but it's, and unfortunately, because of that, we're the punching bag in terms of the Premier League at times. So 
if we fall also like against Dinamo Zagreb, you know, they're we're gonna get shitted on, unfortunately. If if for example, if like man you or Chelsea did, like they lost to them, they wouldn't even get half of the abuse Spurs would get. So unfortunately when it comes to the media, it's like I I just roll with the punches, unfortunately. And and you kind of have to have thick skin when it comes to that. So I'm just going to um, have everybody spew out their MVP, LVP for the Leicester match. And we've already kind of shifted the conversation that we're going to have second half um, at this point. Um, so let's let's just start with uh, Tommy, who was talking last. And you can give us a, your MVP and LVP at once. And then we'll move along to the next uh, topic. Okay, uh, MVP. I'm giving it to Gareth Bale. I usually don't like to give it to subs because they haven't played the full game. But, I mean, let's be realistic. He was the game changer that we needed. Um, I mean, it was great that Lucas came on, too, because he provided the energy. He can draw. I don't think he really drew any, drew any fouls, but he provided the energy. He's He presses. He does everything he wants. So, to supplement that with Bale's play, that helps in any way. Um, LVP, I think it's kind of obvious, or at least relatively obvious. I'm, I'm going with Sanchez. I thought he played pretty decent. I mean, the goal or the own goal that he had a head in, um, he did redeem himself. But, I mean, I, have to, I would have to see a replay again. But my current opinion with the whole penalty with Jamie Vardy, yeah, I get it. It shouldn't have been a penalty. But my other issue is that Sanchez, he should have let Vardy just run for it because it was the ball when Vardy was running for it was away from the goal. So he could have just stayed in position and then regrouped from there. But, I mean, that's my opinion, at least for now. But, I mean, dispute if you want. No, fair point. Let's go to Nate next. MVP, LVP. My MVP was, can I shock you? Matt Doherty. I thought he was fantastic. The best he, he's played He for played us. great, didn't he? He was great. He moved the ball forward. He played well interchangeably with both Bergvine and Bale. He did his job defensively. He didn't make any glaring mistakes. You put him in a more attacking role, and he looked to have thrived, which kind of makes me feel good because it, it, it makes me feel good and doesn't because it makes me worry that maybe we, we, Levy will think, oh, we can go into next season – with Doherty and Tanganga as our right backs. But at the same time, that might end up working out. I guess we probably can't now that Ngaga's out for two months. But Doherty looked like, if he plays like that over a season, there's no reason why he can't be a starting right back for us. So it was nice to actually see that and see, oh, yeah, we forgot. He was actually very good for Wolves. So that was nice to see. Um, LVP, uh, I don't know. I mean, I really didn't like Harry Winks. I thought he was okay, but at the same time, he did a couple of things that were just like, why are you still here to me? And maybe I've just developed this vendetta against him, and I'm sorry, because this goes against everything I just talked about and Joe talked about, <laughs> about the bar and hating somebody. But I can't stand Harry Winks. And, like, people were kind of giving him some credit because there was a late stage in the game where Lester were kind of totally on the breakaway, and he made a really good foul for a yellow card that basically stopped him from scoring. Pretty sure Iannaccio was wide open, like past uh, Toby and Sanchez and would have gone in one-on-one. And he made a great foul there. But actually, if you go back about 20 seconds later, earlier, he's the one that gives the ball away by basically passing it 
right to the Leicester player. And they did that several times, even in a game where he did not get pressed at all, which was really the difference. They could not press without Ndidi in the midfield and allowed Hoybeer and Winks to move the balls forward and run forward. But he still was kind of poor, <laughs> even with all that time. So, um, yeah, I don't want to give it Sanchez because Sanchez made a couple of really good one-on-one uh, tackles. Um, I'm pretty sure he saved us once, too. And I think that penalty was bullshit and not his fault. And he, did, he pressured Schmeichel into the own goal. So I don't think I – even though I do think he wasn't that great defensively in moments and the first goal was kind of his fault, aside from a lazy challenge from Toby, but Vardy getting in in the first place, I still would put him to Winks over because it just – it's another game where I'm like, he, we know his limitations here, and we can't just keep going on this way. Everybody's got to leave. It's the best for everybody. So those are my picks. Let's go to Joe T next. All right, so my MV, or sorry, my LVP has a caveat. If this was Harry Kane's last match in a Tottenham shirt, he is my LVP. Uh, I don't. If, everything he says, how much he loves the club, I didn't see him for the first forty-five, um, and you know, he, he scored a goal, yes, but that wasn't the Harry Kane send off if this is truly not going to be his, or this is truly going to be his last game for us expected way more from him um, and uh, MVP is just it's bail I mean uh, those two goals were amazing uh, Joel um, MVP Tommy kind of hit the nail on the head for me with, with Bale uh, although he didn't play the whole game or he only played about 20 minutes, but what an impact he made. Two goals. That's now, what, 11 goals in 20 appearances, something like a goal every 84 minutes or something, which is ridiculous. If only he'd played more. Um, Bale, definitely MVP. LVP's tough. Like, you all make really good cases. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. Um, mine was Sanchez, to be honest, but a bit like Nate with Winks. I think I have a... I, I just have not rated Sanchez for so long that I think I'm overly harsh on him. Um, uh, Joe T makes a really good point with Kane. I, 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 I wouldn't have said for this game, but I do think he's been poor. Basically he's been underwhelming every game since Mason took over. I don't think he's played well since that Everton game where Mourinho's last league game. Um, but I, I'll stick with Davinson, but some good cases uh, for other players. Yeah. And, um, I'm bailing Sanchez, but like I, I love Joe T's point on on Harry Kane. Like, yes, I feel the same way. If if he leaves and that was his last performance for us, despite the goal, like that that was not good enough. Um, like uh, you need to show how much you care. Uh, I, like if your heart's really in it, if you really grew up to this franchise, don't don't leave this way. And that's. And that's what we're going to lead into for the second half. Uh, so um, for the halftime segment, instead of having Tommy's back page, we're going to have um, uh, to- Tommy's going to give us the results of our predictions for the season. So we give our predictions before each match um, and we make some uh, uh, preseason predictions um, in the early stages of the season. Um and Tommy keeps a scoring system to uh, on a spreadsheet to determine who wins this competition. So I'm very excited to find out who who won this competition of predictions this year. 
after that, we're going to talk about the Harry Kane drama some more. We'll talk about a little bit about the coach situation and just wrap up the season as a whole. Um, but let's go to that Tommy halftime segment now. Thanks, Anthony. Okay, so let's do general predictions. So at the t- or the first episode of the season, um, what Anthony had was our pre- or Spurs prediction, top six, outlandish prediction, bottom three, FA Cup, League Cup, and Europa League. So Spurs prediction, uh, for the most part, everybody had what four? Th- or it ranged from third to seventh. Uh, most of us picked. Champions League, or a few pick Champions League, a few pick fifth in terms of Europe League, but um, British Sam picked seventh. So mildly surprised that that just, I think we, like we kind of all said, we had higher expectations for this season with Jose. We kind of ended the last season on a high. Um, unfortunately, we didn't. Uh, let's do Outlander's prediction yet next. Um, two people, or three people, actually got their predictions right. So kudos to you. So first one is on the show, uh, Nate got Chelsea struggled to gel and Lampard gets sacked. So Lampard got sacked, what, I think earlier this calendar year? I think they're around 8th, ninth, 10th, give or take. So he was not wrong. I mean, unfortunately, they hired Thomas Tuchel. They hired, they got so fucking lucky when PSG sacked Tuchel and he fell right into their laps. Yeah, because I would have, I would have loved to have him and then... That's what they got. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, John, British John, who does our loan updates, his outlandish prediction is we actually signed a striker. Albeit it was on loan, but technically we signed a striker. And another one, Sam gets a second one, British Sam. Uh, he gets He's two for two. Outlandish prediction is Leeds finish in the top half. For those who don't know, they actually finished ninth as a or they finished ninth. Um, bottom three, nobody got it right. Um, but I would say, so as we know, it's Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield, Sheffield. United. Yep, nobody predict or John only predicted Sheffield. Actually, oh, holy crap. John did get it right. I didn't mark it. He was the only one that got all three correctly. Correct. Um, everybody else did a mix, and he was the only one that predicted Sheffield United. Um, everyone else kind of did a mix of Fulham and West Brom. Um, and in terms of the other competitions, eh, it wasn't even really close. It was kind of a mishmash, but I won't even get to that. Um, next up, MVP, LVP. I kept track of every single game this season. So let's start off with MVP. So let's start off with third place. So third place was actually Tangi and Dombele with 16 votes over the course of the season. Second place, Gareth Bale. And uh, first place, it should not be a surprise, uh, this guy did win the Golden Boot and Playmaker of the Year. Uh, it's some guy named Harry Kane. So, I mean, let's be fair, he was arguably our player of the season. So, unofficially, he is the Four Stars players, or Four Stars Spurs MVP. Um, and LVP... Or that's both. So MVP wins, though. Um, Harry Kane won, and this was by a overwhelming margin. He won by what is it? Six and a quarter votes. Um, Kane had eleven point seven five MVP wins. 
Actually, you know what? It's four and a quarter. Um, Bale and Ori was second place with six MVP votes, which is kind of interesting with Ori, at least. I mean, I think he, I would think we all agree he did better this season, but for him to get six MVP votes, I would say a little surprising. Um, at LVP votes, technically had two winners, I'll say. Um, we had 54 votes for none. I think a lot of that stemmed from earlier in the season where we're flying high. And the LVP vote, uh, who had the moat, or we'll actually we'll do second place, uh, seventeen point twenty five, Davidson Sanchez, and then first place was Sun. Uh, I I think we can all say that he was very inconsistent. Lincoln play with uh, Sun or with Kane was great at times, but second half of the season, it's because yeah. we gave the him, old... he had such high expectations from his. Yeah. Amazing first half, but the fact that he just kind of went totally dropped off a planet. Exactly. Kind of, I think it was like, you bring the expectations up, you're like, well, he's not performing like he used to. And that just compounded. I think that's why that happened, rather than like it being dire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) authority. Exactly. So, and we'll go to LVP wins. So, it's kind of obvious now, Sanchez is first place with seven wins. Uh, second place is Sun, and third place is Ben Davis with five. So take that for what it's worth. I think I think Nate is right though in terms of Sun, like kind of disappeared at games, but also whether you know him, Harry Kane, uh, Hugo Lloris, etc. We hold those players to a higher standard because a they've been through so long, and they already set that mark. And now to the good stuff. Um, so we finally, or so yesterday in the afternoon, I tabulated the final votes or final scores. <laughs> For people that are curious on how I scored everything, um, this is not perfectly calibrated. Um, so, for example, if you we do predictions, the prediction of the score and the scores. So it's one point for the correctly predicted outcome two points for correct score, two points for the correct score for all goals, and half a point for any correct score. Um, Let's do each competition little by little. So let's start with the Premier League. Joe, he won with 50 and a half points. Europa League, Lucas won that with 20 and a half points. That's Joel, right? Yes. Uh, Manchester Joe. Uh, FA Cup, six and a half points. Nate won that. League Cup, Lucas gets the double with six points. Um, if you do, if you add, or let's do who gets the wooden spoon in MLS terms, it's actually Christian with six points. But let's be fair, he's part time and he doesn't, he's not in the uh podcast often. Yeah, but we have many part timers, so he's the worst of the part timers. Fair and enough. I think, and I think I won for most set piece roulettes one this season. I'll take your word on that. Uh, So out of all the part-timers, they were very similar. So whether it be Joe, uh, Tall Rick, actually Catherine did the best out of all the part-timers. But yeah. Um, And then, okay, so let's do third place. It was actually me with 67.5. This person was leading for, let me take a look, for one Two, three, four, five, six months. 
That guy got second place with 74.5. His name is Lucas. And interesting wow, note. He's full of Leicester City. Yeah. Sell and him. It, sell him. Get him, out, get him out of our club. In <laughs> an interesting note, he would have tied Joe, who won by two points with 76.5 with his prediction because he predicted 3-2. So if Bale didn't get that late goal, it would have been a tie for first. So wow. Joe, uh, uh, Manchester Joe, congratulations. You won again. Thank you. Well, I all so, got a fail one by the sound. Of it. I didn't realize that. Yeah. It was because I was like, what was it? In terms of predictions, I'm like, oh, or I'm like, Joe won. Okay. So then, and then in our group chat, Lucas is like, yeah, I predicted the right score, or I would have had the right score if they didn't have that late goal. I was like, wait a second. And I was like, oh, you lost by two. Damn. So I would have got 1500 bucks for that last game. Goal. Lucas <laughs> had that taken away. That is true. First. Oh, actually, you know what? I do have one more piece. Um, so there were side bets this whole season. So there were five total. Um, first side bet that was recorded, $100 bet between Lucas and Sam that Mourinho wins a trophy. The deadline was at the end of the 22-23 season. Um, as we know, Jose did not win a trophy. Bring him back. <laughs> and um, Sam won the $100. Uh, this one was actually null, but it was a one beer bet between uh, Joe L and British Sam on Kane starting against Leighton Orient. Um, Sam said he didn't. Joe says he doesn't. Um, I consider that a wash as it didn't happen. Uh, didn't next start. one. He didn't start. Is, oh, am I arguing against myself, though? No, Neil, you, you said he didn't start. Uh, I won that bet. He didn't. Hey, did he won. start in the game? Hey, no, I won the bet. Hey. That's semantics, though. Yeah, that, that goes to Joe. Sorry. Yeah, lost that bet. All right, fair enough. Okay, during the summer party, Sam can buy you a beer. Yeah, thanks, um, Another one is another beer bet between Kevin and British Sam. Kevin believes that Alex Morgan, there will be more Alex Morgan shirts sold compared to Regulon. I mean, let's be fair, that's inconclusive. So I actually brought, <laughs> <laughs> I brought up an interesting – I know a few at the bar. I think Brian and his wife Shannon have Alex Morgan shirts. I know that. I have one. Yeah. Oh, you do? I have an like, Alex Morgan Europa League away kit. It's one of the weirdest things I own. It's pretty <laughs> random. Well, and, I'm, okay, so I know I'm you – I have a striker yet, to be fair, aside from Alex Morgan. Yeah. And then, no. well, the other one, Jeff, uh, he comes – He's been coming back to the bar recently. He has an Alex Morgan shirt as well. But I would say that's inclusive. I would say the only way to know is if you're part of the supporters trust and actually ask and based off of the supporter shop. But who knows? Um, Fourth bet, a $20 bet between British Sam and Nate. Nate says that we drop points against Fulham on March 3rd, um, which means tie or loss. Sam actually won that. Oh <laughs> no! Uh, for since we're not since we're this is over, or since you're hearing audio, Nate was actually putting his arms up in rejoicement, and Wrong he was like, again. "Fuck you all!" The or the, and he flipped the bird. Um, last one. This actually happened a few weeks ago between Joe L and Nate. Joe said we don't finish in the top six. Nate said we did, and as you can tell, we finished seventh. So Joe won that one. That's Harry so, Winks. Well, th- thank you so much for keeping track of this, Tommy. And yeah, no like, problem. And I know this is way more entertaining for us than it is probably for our listeners. Oh, yeah. But, but we so have 
we have to do it. Like we have yeah. to, uh, we, we have to have it. And, and clearly I didn't place in any of this shit, but that's, well, that, that, I think it's that, more bets, everybody. Let's just do more. And I think of the fact that we're, we're kind of branched off from Chicago Spurs, like a lot of people, like the people in Chicagoland that know us, they probably find us just as interesting. This is true. Yeah. Cause we talk about this shit when we're together. Oh um, yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for that, Tommy. Uh, great halftime segment. Um, we got a, a lot still to talk about and we've gone very long. So we, we need to keep this moving. So I want to move the conversation along into the uh, ongoing Harry Kane drama. So we've kind of already started the conversation. So I think we kind of can kind of ease back into it with, um, yes, like Harry Kane talked to the, the press, um, decided that they were going to allow this to be released at this point in the season when we're, um, we're still playing for something. It might not be much at this point, but we're still playing for something. Um, and he decided to make his point um, within that press. And as much as we understand that there's points to be made against Enoch, there's points to be made against Levy, this is a frustrating uh, situation. Nate, you look like you want to tackle this one first. Yeah, I'll go. I mean, we kind of talked about, I think, a couple of the factors that are in play for why this kind of pissed me off so much, because it really did. It really did piss me off. And I know kind of that it's different now, and it's different in soccer, and that players, and it's, 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 it's not worth expecting players to have the same emotional investment as you do as a fan, ever. Even a guy like Harry Kane, because this is their job. And we've all had situations in our job where we decided – either yes or no to move for more money, or at least try. So at the same time, though, you have to compare it to other situations that we've had like this in the past. And we saw this happen, I think the two most recent situations, or maybe two and a half, because well, Kyle Walker's in there too, was Kyle Walker went to Pochettino in the middle of the season and said he wanted to leave, and he got kind of benched after that, kind of out, kind of a uh, kind of, outcast from this cast out of the squad really before that you had Madrid and Bale and Madrid and Bale their last seasons for us were fantastic both of them and Keynes was fantastic too but as Joe mentioned as Joe mentioned Joe T these last five games have not been nearly like almost like you could tell he's a bit mailing it in and when you combine that with the fact that he's gone and done this before the end of the season, and in the Bale and Madrid cases, they both waited and then their stuff after the season was over. Bale kind of at the end didn't want to go and play preseason, and Madrid didn't go on the tour. But that was afterwards. And it was both kind of seen as like they're probably leaving. We didn't get Champions League. These are all things. But now it's like, okay, and you signed a six-year contract. You still got three more years on it. It's a pandemic year, which means the amount of buyers that are in a usual market for what your value is, is not nearly as much as it should be. And if you're someone that cares about the club, like he professed in the interview while also saying, I kind of want to leave, why are you going to leave us in a situation like that? And then go on and say, like, if he wants to sell me for $100 million. So he's already, he's already shorting himself on money for the club because he's not. He's worth double that. So all those factors in play that he did on a golf course with Gary fucking Neville. Yeah, it kind of pissed me off. So, but you know what? To his credit, it worked. Because to be honest, if we got $175 million for him, I'd probably take that now. Like, 
Yeah. Gotta, if he wants to go, you know, and, and this is who he's going to be, just like anybody else, he can leave. I'm a Tottenham fan. I'm not a Harry Kane fan. Like, like I don't so, want to feel that way about Harry Kane because, like, Harry Kane has meant so much to me for so long. But I I understand the viewpoint. Like, that, like when that was happening in the press, I'm like, not you, Harry. I thought you were were with the club, like, or at least you would do this gracefully in some way. And and I granted, I understand there's no graceful way to leave a club, but this was painful. I think Joe T wanted to go next. Yeah, well, just real quick, Nate. You think that Modric had a good season his last after he yeah. was transferred? I th- oh yeah, oh, that's why. That's why I can't stand him. The second half of that is last season. He was absolute garbage. He uh, just well, as soon as it was, was, it was when it was, he was, I think there was the part of it was they Redneck kept putting him on the fucking left. Well, for he that? Got, no, what it was, he, he put in his request for the winter and he got declined, and that's what that's what I don't remember it. it like that. Yeah, I yeah, he put it very years. I mean, I remember that fucking goal against Bolton. He had a great first half season, which was fucking amazing. And yeah, no, I don't, I, I disagree with that downturn. I think a downturn happened when Bale got hurt. As he always did, and we had striker problems, and Adebayor kind of mailed it in, and our defense was shit. Um, but I don't think it was down to Maj. I thought I, I thought it was a problem that he played out of position. Oh, that was bad his last season. But no, I don't remember it being him. So I got to disagree with you there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but, that's that's the reason I can't stand the guy, just because he it seemed like he phoned it in. But and leading into Kane, I think Kane's done. Obviously, he has to done well. He's golden boot. He's leading in assists. Um, if he does, if this was his last season with us, fair play. I mean, he did do what he's there to do, score goals and, and, and basically lead the team, and he proved that he could do it. Um, and that's why I really – if he goes, he goes. I mean, yeah, I don't want him to go. Uh, my two kids are texting me every day, Daddy Harry Kane's leaving. And it's like, well, it's not done yet, man. It's not done yet, Conrad. Uh, can we still like him if he goes to City? Uh, uh, you can like him when he plays for England. Yeah, no, that's the right reaction. You can like him when he plays for England. Um, but, yeah, I, if he goes, it all in my eyes, it all falls on Levy and, and Joe Lewis. Um, right. Just that's not the, giving him what he giving needs. Giving him the support but, but according, he needs. But according to the, according to the sun. I'm sorry, I didn't uh, mean to interrupt. But no, also, to me, there's that point where, like, he was there all this time when we were in cup finals. He, 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 and I understand he was hurt a lot for it. But regardless, he was there. He could have influenced what happened. That's also an indictment yeah. on the manager putting him in a bad position. Yeah. No, and him on being the one that wanted to play every fucking day. Yeah. Like, this is, this is a thing. Like, he's looking back on this, and... He's been fantastic, so maybe that gives him the allowance to do this in ways. Maybe it does. I, I honestly, if people have that belief, that's a good argument. That is a good argument because he's far and away our best player and been for the last five years. I didn't even one player of the season. <laughs> I mean, we, don't have to wor- we don't have to worry, though, guys, because according to The Sun, uh, about 45 minutes ago, Coach Tino's coming back, and he's going to make Harry Kane stay. So, well, <laughs> it according to the sun. So exactly. I mean, it's the Bible right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's uh, like, and I mean, maybe the manager could definitely play a role in whether he stays or not. I don't think it's a hundred percent he goes. I really don't. 
I just am to the point where I don't. I'd be like, if it's for if it's for over 170, I'll be like, okay. Whether before I would be like, please God, no. That's where that's what this last couple of weeks has done to me with him. Yeah, it's been a rough couple of weeks, and like I don't want to feel that way about Harry Kane. But let's hear what uh, Joel would uh, like. You want to chime in on this? Um. Yeah, I I don't think he's going to leave at all. I don't think, like Nate mentioned, the the situation with the pandemic, the finances, the fact that he's got three, one, two, three years left on his deal. I mean, you can't just you can't just decide you want to leave, and that's it. Like it's, it doesn't work that way, you know. I know back in the day you could do that because it wasn't as complicated as it is now to do big money transfers, but teams are terrified of big money transfers. They look at um, Griezmann to Barcelona. They look at what signing Ronaldo has done to Juventus. It's crippled them. They can't sign any young, they can't buy anyone now because they're crippled by getting Ronaldo's wages. Teams, even Man City, even teams like that, I get they've got the resources, but they do have to operate within some kind of financial parameters. It's not, so it isn't just like saying I'm going. Uh, who wants me? Kind of. It's, there's a lot more to it than that. And do you think? Why does it always happen when he's talking? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, but, but no. I I see where he's going with this. Like it 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 is a long shot that they're they're that they're going to that he's going to leave because the financially, how does that happen? Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past somehow people. People will find a way. These fucking clubs will find a way to do it. And whether it be by hook or by crook, I think the idea, ooh, Harry Kane with Pep Guardiola in Manchester City, that people will turn their eyes away and let whatever needs to happen happen for shit to happen like that. Or Real Madrid. I mean, Real Madrid could just get a loan from the government, I feel, and they just be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Who gives a shit? Like, that's how much they are with, with the fucking Spanish government, in my eyes. So, like, PSG, if they sell Mbappe to Real Madrid, who says Kane doesn't go play with Pochettino if he doesn't come here? Like, yeah, maybe, he, he did say, though, this was another thing. He said, I don't want to go abroad. So not only does he kind of want to leave, he wants to leave and be in the same league as us. So that puts our suitors down to one and a half. Because yeah. I would hate it if he went to United, especially because it was after the interview with Gary Neville. That feels like tampering to me, and I, and I hate it. Well, we'll, let, we'll let Joe finish his point that he's back. Yeah, sorry about this, guys. Bad internet. Where, 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 what did I last say that you heard? But I, I think you got the gist of what I was saying. I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion at all. Um, I really don't. And I think that whoever we bring in can perhaps repair the situation, you know, give him a bit of a... I mean, I do think there's a bit of bad advice going to him as well. His brother's his agent. You know, it's a bit of an amateur situation. It's kind of amateur hour. I can see Levy getting a new manager in and just ch- talking him out of this. I, I, I really can. Well, and, and to your point, like, I, I don't think uh, uh, Harry saw Jose Mourinho as poison. But I think he was such poison to our franchise and in our way of playing and our um, our style and how we look at ourselves as Spurs supporters that it really became like a toxic situation that like Harry was like no I was he he kind of backed Jose because he's he was a winner yeah he basically but, called but, out his own teammates. 
But nobody else. Before the season was over. Yeah, but nobody. Yeah, before the season was over, but nobody else was that way, and it shows how toxic the environment became. And I, and I was. I knew what I was getting into, but I was for Jose because I thought he could win us a cup, and it it didn't turn out that way, regardless of the reason why, and we can't relive that. But but Harry Kane definitely got caught up in this toxic mess that was created in the aftermath of uh, Jose Mourinho. Uh, Tommy, I think you wanted to go next. Yes, I did. Uh, so. The thing with Kane, I mean, I said a lot of it last week, but I mean, to what Joe is saying, like, it is possible that he's getting bad advice from his brother. I mean, but I'm, a, I'm, a, it's safe to assume that Charlie Kane is a Spurs fan as well because it runs in the family. But I, so I don't think it's a money grab to get money for fee or any of this stuff. But I, I think Charlie's probably asking the hard hitting questions like. What do you want in your legacy? Yeah, be Spurs legend, not win any trophies. You know, like what, or it's like, what do you want your career to be defined as? You know, yeah, so. Like Kane's going to try to do any soccer tournaments with us now if Harry Kane leaves. Eh, that remains to be seen. Never know. Uh, he, he hangs out in New York, so I hope that's not the case, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. uh, jo- but I don't know how New York people would feel if he came back after Sally Kane. Let's go to Joel. Yeah, just real quick, uh, what Tommy said there, because I think you make a good point, Tommy, but the like this trophies thing, like if you're playing in the Champions League most seasons, like I, to me, like Alan Shearer when he was at Newcastle, he loved being at Newcastle. He could have been playing for a better team than Newcastle. He could have gone to Man United, but he wanted to play for his hometown team and he loved that team. Like, I, it's not that weird to do that. Like Jack Grealish, no one really sort of gives Jack Grealish a hard time about playing for Villa when he could be playing for a better team. It's not that weird that he plays. I I, I, don't, I just think there's so much on that that I don't buy into really. Yeah, I, no, I don't disagree either, Joe. But like, I but the other thing with Alan Shearer though, he already won a Premier League title with Blackburn. Yeah, he did. He won, I think he only won one trophy in his career, though, and he's still. And no one talks about that. No one like says, "Oh, Alan Shearer only won one trophy. What a yeah. shit player!" No one says I, that. Actually, like nobody. I don't. Very few people, or actually, I would say, very few people in this country would even remember or know that Blackburn even won a Premier League title. So. Yeah. yeah, who knows? But, but, but that's it, though, Tommy. Exactly. So when you mention Alan Shearer or you hear the name, you don't think, oh, what a loser Alan Shearer was. He only won one trophy. You think, oh, Alan Shearer was an amazing striker who scored the record goals in the Premier League era. You know, he was great, right? And, like, I don't yeah. get why it would be different for Kane if he just happened. Like, I imagine he'll win one thing for us at least, right? We'll win, like, a League Cup or something at least, you know? And, I just, I just think the goalposts have been moved a bit, you know. Yeah. Well, funny you mentioned Alan Shearer, though. I mean, of course, the comparisons are already there, but I, I find it interesting. Like, there's aside from winning a Premier League trophy, there are parallels. Like, oh, we're get, we're getting some feedback. Yeah, that might be you. Or oh, nope, Joe muted, so we're good. Um. So, but, like, Alan Shearer had, like, yeah, he played for his hometown club, just like Harry Kane, but also, 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, Joe, your brother would probably would definitely know because he's a Newcastle fan. But like, people say that Freddie or Freddie Shepard was a bad owner too. I mean, we all know about Mike Ashley, but I'm like, I'm not saying Daniel Levy is as bad as owners compared to those two. But I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's some narratives that are very parallel to this. You know, I, I just find that kind of interesting. That's all. Yeah, no, fantastic points, and like this is gonna um, be a drama. Yeah. F- uh, like, I'll let you respond n- real fast, Nate. But look, this is a drama-filled summer that we're looking towards with this Harry Kane stuff. But I, I think we, wanna, uh, yeah, go ahead, Nate. That, you, go ahead and respond. I just want to mention, like, what this? I mean, you brought up a lot of common things with the situation with owners, but in regards to players, this reminds me a lot of the situation like Wilfred Zahaz and with Palace, right? Because he's like a guy, he came from the area there, and he's a guy that like has put in transfer requests before, but it's like from a Palace perspective, he's too important to them more than the like the amount of money that they get for him. And Kane's almost at that level for us. Especially when you look at like the market and you see a guy like uh, Holland over in Dortmund that won't go for as much as Kane, but has a longer longer half life, probably more years left in him. So you have to weigh those things into account. And other strikers like that, or do people go like so? I guess there's not many other strikers, but like if you're Man City or Real Madrid, that's got to be who you're going for. You only need a couple, and Holland's ready to move right now too. So it's like, but that might not be the case next year. And so you wonder if that maybe plays a, a role in this situation. Maybe people have more money next year. So and the thing about Kane, hurt. though, and I mean, maybe it's he gets hurt a lot, too. Yeah, and yeah, there's that, too. But, like, I covered from Chicago, and, like, we had, we had Michael Jordan, right, when I was growing up. Jordan got drafted in 1984. He didn't win his first title until 90, 91. Like, it took him six, seven years to win anything. And before that, he was the Harry Kane guy. And I only know this because I've been watching Last Dance again. But, like, he was the guy that won all the scoring titles but never won anything for the first big part of his career. And he stayed, and they built something for him. But he didn't run away from that. He didn't go and join the competitors. You'd never see him. Like, he wasn't what? He was going to go to join Detroit Pistons or the Celtics or the Knicks? Fuck no. So that's the whole thing that kind of that bugs me too. And I know that's my own kind of thing because of how I view sports, but it does bug me. And I'd like to see him give us one more season. So you don't want to factors. And if you don't want to see him do a LeBron and go to South Beach properly invested behind him and it's the same shit again, yeah, then bon voyage. But I think this is too critical of a time when shit has kind of gone that's that nobody's control has gone sideways. Him to just kind of pull this shit and the way he did it, it's just, yeah, I don't like it's, it. It's, I, I think it's a right, it's I think it's control, it's, too. Like, he has not scored uh, like a cup final goal, has he? No, no, and that's but you got to remember the circumstances, though. A, he's only been in two and he's been injured, and he got like injured before. because he wanted to play in every freaking game. He's played in, he's played in three, hasn't he? Because two League Cup finals and the. And yeah. Oh yeah. Also, he's bad. Like game, he missed a couple of really good chances. He was exactly. Bad. And this is the thing, Nate. Like, 
I'm reluctant to be critical because I think he does score in big games against Arsenal. He's got a great record, right? Chelsea scored a lot of goals. You know, you mentioned it, Liverpool, you name it. He scored in these games in the league. But this is an interesting point. Like in the in the big knockout games, he's never other than that Chelsea semi final that we lost four two when he scored at the header. I don't really remember him doing anything in it, like any big knockout games. Like I can't. I'm struggling to think of many. Even the World Cup in 2018, like, yeah, you scored a bunch of penalties, like, group stage early on. But I'm like, against Colombia, I mean, yeah. He was great against Colombia. But, I mean, like, other other than that, like, I mean, he didn't score against Sweden. Or I don't think he did. But, I mean, they slaughtered Sweden anyways. But, or, like, Croatia, he didn't... did he show up? I don't. I don't remember. Or it was that whole thing about the passing to the pass uh, to Sterling, but he was offside anyway. So offside. Or the fourth place oh, game, or third place game against. Uh, yeah, third place. Belgium. Yeah. I, I know, but even so, I don't think. I think that's going a bit too far into the agenda, but I think there is something there. Yeah, for I do. Cup finals do. and for kind of some of the big cup games. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Like he talks about leadership yeah. and like lack of leaders in there. I'm like, dude, you're the leader. We saw Amazon Prime. Hugo was a much better leader than you. You had the same fucking speech over and over and over again. Maybe he's a lead by example guy, but he's asking for leaders when he's the captain of England. When we've got the World and, Cup. Well, there's other captains too, like, whether it be Son, Aurier, exactly. you know, you know, it's, it's it's so it came off so disrespectful, man. Like Yeah. I, uh, I, I I'm I am so with you and like I feel like I, I want to have this Harry Kane conversation for another two hours. But uh, but we have to wrap this up and and, and move on to other topics, unfortunately. Um, but t- I think we're going to be talking about this over the summer. We're going to be uh, like this Harry Kane conversation isn't going away. We're going to have episodes just to get interject a heads up for people. We are going to have some conversations over the, the, the summer. We're not going to have a weekly podcast. Um, we're gonna we're we're gonna have some uh, um, episodes during the Euros. Well, if something major happens, uh, um, like a coach move, we'll we'll have like a mini episode. We'll be back to you, but we're we're certainly going to take a little bit of a break over this summer for the podcast. But uh, but you'll hear from us, and so pay attention to our social media to find out when we're going to be releasing an episode. Definitely continue to shoot us your questions. Uh, we appreciate all the listeners that are uh, listening to us who can stick with us for a long episode like tonight um, and, and, and and stick with us through all this. Um, but I want to move the conversation along from Harry Kane as much as I could talk about that all night too. Um, we have to have a quick coach discussion. So I know we, we brought up the, uh, the sun, uh, rumor about Pochettino, and that has kind of popped up over the past couple of days, being the 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 miracle coach that's coming back. And I think that's a good question to ask everybody. Would would you guys want Pochettino back at this point? Because um, we don't know who it's going to be. We know who all the we've talked about who all the options are. But would you want Pochettino back at this point in time, uh, Nate? Um, not yet. It's too soon. I feel like I'd rather have him come a little bit later than potentially come back with not enough things changed and the same thing to happen, and then his legacy ruined forever. 
Yeah, I feel that. Um, Tommy? Yeah, I'm on the same boat with Nate, and these are my reasons why. I mean, there's still a lot of squad, same squad, whether it be Hugo, Dyer, Toby, Kane, Son, etc. And, like, I... The thing with Pochettino right now is, uh, like, I fault him for is, like, the sub issue. The issue with not rotating the squad enough. Um, not being willing to sign players. Uh, another one is, or, or, like, with the rotation, burning out players and whatnot. So, my question, like, if I'm Daniel Levy and I'm like, oh, I'm actually kind of interested in talking to Pochettino, I first question him is, what have you learned during your time off and when you coach PSG? And what are you going to, and if, and what are you doing to rectify that? Because we can't, I, we can't kind of be, we can't be spinning our wheels with the same thing over and over again. Cause like, I mean, right now, if we had got Pochettino again next season and Kane stays, he's going to burn him out. And if we played against Marine FC last season, he would have started him in my, I, I wouldn't be, I would have put money on that. And, or like, son, he would have been automatic starter all the time, and Dyer and Toby would have been playing, and if Joe Roden was still signed, like, he wouldn't even get a sniff. Bergwijn wouldn't get a sniff. Nobody, like, and down by he would have been shut out. LaCelso or whoever, same thing. And whatnot. But I will say, though, give him a few years if he's won a bunch of trophies or had more success, and he's learned to grow from his mistakes. I would I would be open to bringing him back. Right now, I I like kind of Nate said it's just too early for me. Yeah, fair points. I'm I'm with both of you at the, on this. Um, Joe and Joe, do you uh, uh, Joel? You look like you want to chime in. Like uh, Pochettino, would you bring him back? We we we're not going to talk about any of the other coach uh, options because we know wh- who they are and we don't know who it's going to be. But would you would you bring back Patch at this point in time? I agree with what exactly what Nate and Tommy said. I love Pochettino. He was he's the best manager I've ever had um, seen at Tottenham since I've been following them a long time. And I I love Pochettino, but it's the same group of players, and it, and it is too soon, like Nate said. But it's the main thing is it's just the same players. I think if he came in with a new set of players a few years down the line, he could rework. The good, the great things he did, um, and I'd have faith in him to do a good job. But I, I don't think there's much value in bringing him back with the same group that had kind of stagnated under him anyway. So I, I agree with the guys. I'd, oh, having said that, if it was Pochettino, I'm sure I'd be delighted for you know I'd get kind of giddy with it. But I, I don't think it's the best uh, idea to do it this soon. Yeah, we'd have a good chant in the pub for sure. Uh, uh, oh, I, 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 is like. If you look at some of the other best options out there, like in head-to-head competitions, the last time Pochettino faced Sean Dyche, Sean Dyche won two to one. And so it begs the question, who would really be better to come in in this situation? Always bring it back to Dyche. Um, uh, Joe T, would you bring back Poch at this point? So, yeah, I'm going to go against the grain as well uh, on this one. Yeah, I would take him back, but under – the stipulation that he gives to Levy that you let me spend like you let Mourinho spend. You know, I, I don't blame the downfall on uh, Poch. Uh, you know, he was not given the money to spend on the players that he wanted. 
and then we get the special one, and it's like, here you go, here's my checkbook. Just give me back what you think I deserve, um, and look where it got us. So I think if Pochettino had been given that opportunity, um, we would have gone farther, and I think if we give him that opportunity now, we keep the players that played their hearts out and took us to a Champions League final with unlimited spending or at least some spending, I tell you, I'd take it back in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, the spending's an issue. Uh, Tommy, you want to respond? Uh, Joe, to beat me all you want on this, but I'm like, at the top, like, where we went three transfer windows without spending money, Okay, the first two, I get it. But the, the third one, Daniel Levy explicitly said there was money to be spent. And there was rumors. I mean, of course, they're unsubstantiated. But apparently, there was three times we could have broke the transfer window record. And Pochettino vetoed all those choices. Allegedly, of course. And also, we were rumored, or there were very strong rumors from multiple sources, that we could have gotten uh, Tielemans and Madison, who are both now at Leicester which would have added depth and more creativity, you know, because Erickson left and so forth. So I'm like, I do agree there probably wasn't a lot of money to spend, but there was enough where we could have had fresh blood. Yeah, but how many interviews were they bringing up to him? You know, where are the players? Where the, and he's it, Several times, it's not my money. I, I just, they tell me and I take so I don't believe that. But I, I don't believe Pochettino, any Premier League manager is going to pass up play, signing players in any sort of transfer window. Well, Pochettino, well, Pochettino did say in the past, and these are direct quotes from. Or I'm I'm summarizing when I say this, but he's like, I look for specific type of players. I don't want. I got, he more or less alluded to that he wanted yes men. So, like for example, I've always wanted to be like, hey, we should get Zlatan. But like Pochettino would be like, if we were handed Zlatan on a silver platter. Pochettino would have vetoed that because he's a strong personality. He'd go against the grain. Yeah, his lemons would have to tell him what to do. But, uh, but I understand Tommy's oh, point. Uh, okay, yeah. Zlatan's a bad example, but like Pochettino... I think you get what I mean, though. Right. He wanted a certain level good of points. fitness. He wanted, a, um, he wanted people that were going to be all in on the team. They were not going to question how much he was going to run them out and just run them into the ground. I like there, there were strong parts about Pochettino that like, I think with the right budget would work, but also with the budget that we had, like he was hogtied in the way Joe's talking about, like, uh, like, yes, if you, if, if money's not a question, you can find the most fit, most committed players in the world. And, you can sign all of them, then yeah, Pochettino probably could be your man. But also, he's going to reject certain men that we might think are good players because they're talented. Like I don't think a Gareth Bale is necessarily a Pochettino man, um, but he's an extremely good talent, and we've seen what he can accomplish for us this season. Um, so I, I understand both of your points here. Is yeah, a guy, yeah, no, they're both good points because you're like. Levy fucked up. It's not even just not signing anybody. It's that the we've had poor recruitment. The players we have signed have been shit. Like they've not lived up to it at all. The Celso, no, not for fifty million. Domele, no, not for sixty million. 
We haven't even seen Sessignon yet. Jack Clark ain't worth the ten million. He had a decent loan spell, but he got injured. Um, so those are the guys bought in Potch's last window, and they've not amount to anything. Doherty's not been worth it. Hoiberg has had an inconsistent year. Started out great, finished poorly. Um, Gareth Bale, fantastic. I can't say anything bad about him. Joe Rodon, I think he'll be great. Jury, jury's still out on him. But, like, Reguillon, again, inconsistent. So, like, the recruitment these last few years, even when we have opened it, Bergwijn, same. All of them have been inconsistent. They've not lived up to the money we've given for them. So even when we have bought, it's been a problem. And that's on Levy and Hitchin. But and it, it's lack of a, a, a system. Like, and I, I think that's why. That. It, I don't even it, know if it's I, that. I think the people I, I, are not, shouldn't, are poor at this making. Is my, this is my transition, though. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition into the next conversation about coaches. Like, and the, the, the transition is that. Yes, like we 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 need a, a system wide plan, and like we we need a director of football. We need somebody that can pick up this the pieces and say like this is we're going to start training our youth players to play the this Tottenham way. I don't and, know. Do you know that's not happening right now, or it's just the men in charge aren't good at it? I mean, we had a director of football. His name was Franco Baldini, and he was crap. Yeah. So like. That's not even that's not even all the point of it. I think this is a I think the people in charge need to not be in charge anymore. End of the story. I don't know care what system is in place. It just can't be them. But but I understand that I understand what you're saying. But the, the, this coach coach purchase, whether it's somebody that has that director of football, and I do think your point, like Levy needs to step away from the. Um, the 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 purchasing operations and uh, entrust that to somebody else. Um, like he's good at building stadiums and financially putting us in a good position, but um, he needs to certainly step away from who we put on the field. Uh, Tommy, yeah, you brought up an interesting point. I well, Nate, as Nate being a Bears fan like myself, I think he can empathize or definitely see where I'm coming from. Like Ted Phillips, he's kind of like Daniel Levy. He's like the president of the of the Chicago Bears, but he runs both sides, the financial side and the player side. So I think the biggest thing is we need like a director of player personnel or whatever, or like a director of football. So, and when I say that, it's like whether it be transfers or but or budgets, like or budget, like the guy talks to Daniel Levy, like. Hey, how much can I spend this summer? Like, uh, net spend 50 million, 30 million, or 100 million, blah, blah. And then that guy does the rest and then tinkers with selling and whatnot instead of Levy trying to find the maximum value. And then that guy also would be responsible for like building up the scouting system and so forth. No, you're absolutely right. You're you're absolutely right, Tommy, and like, and this is a a big issue, and and we've we've come long this episode. Um, we were gonna have a uh, a season wrap discussion that is just not there's not gonna be time for, but we're gonna have more conversations this summer and and next season, and it will be fine. Um, but I think we probably start need to wrap up this episode, and in in the the events of this week kind of 
precipitated us have, having to have this long conversation in this way instead of having a season wrap episode, um, which on a whole, like I, I was happier to have this conversation that needed to happen rather than say that this is how our season went. Cause we all know how this season went and it was not great. Um, it was negative at times, like uh, COVID got in the way. <laughs> like this was, it was a painful experience this season. And I can't wait till we're back at the pub, just supporting regardless of how well we play. That's what I want this, this upcoming season. Um, so I'm going to ask everybody for their final thoughts instead of season wrap this, uh, for this final topic. So final thoughts as we wrap up our season as four-star Spurs. G- give, me your, give me your best stuff. Uh, I got let's start with I'm Nate. exhausted. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's two hours in. I've given you everything. <laughs> uh, Joe? I'll just you? say it's good to be back home. Uh, back Hell with yeah. you guys. You know, it's five, six years after, you know, we started this whole thing up. How many ever years ago? Um, you know, obviously it's a bit awkward with COVID and all that. Still haven't seen a few of you guys in person, but yeah, my season ended well just because it's I'm back in Chicago, back where we started this whole thing off. Yeah, no, no, it's great to have you back, and uh, I, and Tommy, you've been right here with us doing the, all all of the legwork this season to to make this podcast happen. So you have been, yeah, Tommy, and us. Yeah, you've been huge. This is all mine. <laughs> like, uh, we cannot do this without Tommy. So I want to give him his credit for this uh, as we wrap up this season. Um, I hope Spurs uh, do much better next year. I hope that uh, the coach that we bring in this summer is exciting. And we'll have a conversation about that when that happens. Um, I'm... So thankful for all of you guys. So Joe, Joe, Nate, and Tom, thank you so much for being here today. Um, But that about wraps up the episode. So uh, thanks to uh, Tommy for editing and sound tonight, Charlie for the music, Kevin for social media. Kevin does so much with the social media to to keep us out there and and ask for your questions each week. Um, Tommy, for his for keeping the stats all the, this time uh that only we care about but they're so much fun to hear um uh kimberly for the logo and as always the atlantic bar come out to the atlantic on the 13th if you live in chicago june 13th where we are having our annual barbecue we're going to watch england in the morning and then uh, barbecue into the afternoon uh, so definitely come out for that day. Look at social media for more information on that. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes or give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on both Stitcher and Spotify. Um, uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Stars Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you birds.